Well, hey, hey, wonderful listener. I am so happy to be chatting with you today, especially because I get to introduce you to my friend Meg. So let me tell you something first. I have done a lot of personal development stuff. All the books, the programs, the coaches, the courses. This is honestly my favorite way to invest my money and my time. And Meg is one of my favorite teachers I have ever had. And she isn't a business coach. She's not a fitness trainer. She's not even like a traditional mindset coach. Meg is a psychic. Well, actually, her bio says, Meg Hammerston is a spiritualist minister and a spiritual counselor. She is a licensed psychic medium and healer, and her focus is guiding people towards their greatest spiritual wellness, happiness, alignment, inner peace, connectedness to the non-physical world, and spiritual evolution. Now, stay with me here, dude. Maybe you're like me and you've always been fascinated by weirdo spiritual stuff and you got really into the Ouija board when you were 12 years old. Or maybe you're like, no thanks on the spiritual stuff. I'm just here to get my goals and kick some ass. If that is the case, you want to hear this podcast episode. Meg and I are going to talk about a step-by-step guide to what to do if you're not feeling great about any area of your life right now. We're also going to talk about how to deal with your triggers. So listen, if you have a weight loss goal and you know that sometimes you get triggered to overeat or you get triggered when your best friend suddenly gets fit or when you see certain posts in your social feed or whatever, you want to hear what Meg has to say about triggers. And you're going to hear her story about first seeing spirits and what they actually look like to people and how being psychic actually works. And at the end, Meg goes into a trance and you are going to get a message delivered right to you from spirit. (laughs) Buckle up, baby. It is woo-woo time and it is so good. Ready to break up with your bullshit? I mean, all those excuses that are keeping you stuck because you have one life to live. And if you're not having fun yet, then that's a problem, dude. Welcome to Goals, Grit, and Some Woo-Woo Shit, the podcast where you learn about the habits of kicking ass at life. Whether you want to get ripped, get rich, or just get high on life, this is the place to be. Here's your host, best-selling author and feel-good expert, Una Duncan. All right, Meg, thank you so much for being on the show. Oh, yeah, I'm happy to be here, and I'm happy to be here with you. <laughs> yeah, so... If it's okay with you, I wanted to get right into some sort of nitty gritty teaching style stuff, stuff that I've learned from you and that I would love to share with people. So is that okay? Yeah, let's do it. Awesome. Awesome. Okay. So one of the biggest things that I learned from you was about the Cartman drama triangle and the different types of victim roles that people play. So as soon as you taught this to me, I immediately saw it in myself, in my clients, in my family. Exactly. So I would love for you to share a little bit about those victim roles that people play. Oh, absolutely. And you kind of got to consider like two things, like the victim mentality, which is not the same thing as being an actual victim. I think that's so important to mention. And then also the, the story format. Because we're raised in the story format, right? Beginning, middle, end, victim, villain, hero. And they're great for, you know, metaphorical learning. And with that said, life almost never actually follows that trajectory, right? Mm. And a lot of people might disagree. And that's because a lot of people are still living in the perception of a victim mindset without even realizing it. And perception isn't reality. Reality is reality. And we're filling those roles to fulfill this, you know, story format because 
our cute little subconscious mind, our inner child says, this is how life goes because of all these stories. Mm-hmm. And we mess everything all up. So we have the the victim victim mindset, which is very much so poor me. The world is happening to me. Nothing ever works out for me. I need a hero to save me. Mm-hmm. Right. And then we have the villain who is essentially the person in the world who is like, everybody is stupid. <laughs> right? Like everything is this person's fault, this person's fault, this person. They're the ones that are yelling usually, Mm -hmm, right? And mm -hmm. critical and mean to people. And then we have the hero who everybody wants to be until you realize the hero is the hardest one to get out of a lot of the time, which is, oh no, all these things are happening to this poor poor victim. And oh no, this villain is hurting this victim. I've got to rescue everybody. And the whole thing is that that isn't actually who those individuals are. It's just who they are when they're in an ego takeover or an adrenaline hijack. So these are rules and everybody's got one that they default to. Is that the deal? I've noticed a lot of people have a secondary, like Mm -hmm. if their role, their main role is already fulfilled in any triangulated experience, they might default to a secondary one. So a hero, if they enter a dramatic situation and there's already somebody in hero, Mm. they might default to the villain or the victim. Okay. So we naturally fall into these roles, especially when we're with other people who are, who are doing the roles as well. Oh yeah. And it usually works out pretty precisely because uh, we just attract that triangle until, until we don't. Mm. And we fall into those roles either because they were assigned to us in some way, when we were kids, like I was the big sister, I was assigned the hero. I was the oldest of a lot of cousins, right, in the area. I was assigned the hero. And my sister was really assigned the victim. She was the baby of the family, right? You're the victim. Mm-hmm, She's mm-hmm. the hero. And sometimes people completely revolt against whatever they were handed, right? And they become the opposite. But it is a defense mechanism, essentially, that we develop in youth and carry on with us until adulthood. Now, the the hero one sounds positive. Like when you describe those, I was like, "Ooh, I, I should aim to be the hero. Is that not true? Okay. You're like the hero's bullshit as well. Oh, yeah, it totally is. And I was I when I'm teaching this, I would say everybody wants to be the hero. <laughs> <laughs> but trust me when I say you don't. One of the primary attributes of the hero in the victim mindset scale is manipulation. The hero is trying to manipulate what everybody is doing, saying in order to create peace. And so heroes are naturally manipulative people. Now, are they doing it for good? Sure. But it's really for their own good their own balance in that energy and trying to create harmony. Altruistic nightmare, actually. (laughs) You're saying the drama should just play out, like they shouldn't interfere? Is that is that what you're saying? Even if it's towards the objective of creating peace? Bingo. So the thing is, is whether or not there's force. So to come into a situation and say, hey, you know, I see this, this and this happening. Is there any way I can help? Sure. You're asking for permission at that point then it's not really force or interference or manipulation, right? Especially if you're detached from the outcome. But if you walk into a situation and you're like, I'm going to get that villain to chill out and to apologize to the victim, and then I'm going to make that victim feel good, 
Mm-hmm. First of all, you're likely creating a codependency in that situation with a, a lot of heroes do without really intentionally doing so. They become drained, exhausted, like those shriveled up little sea people in Ursula's little cave under the water, right? Yes, I know exactly what you're talking about. Mm-hmm. Poor unfortunate souls. You said we do this when we are hijacked by adrenaline or in our ego. So are, are you telling us that if we stay centered and authentic to our truer selves, we're not going to just default into these roles? Because essentially an adrenaline hijack says you're an ego because that's all ego is. The ego that we talk about is realistically essentially just a byproduct of your fight or flight system. That's Mm. all the ego is. And so if we're in an adrenaline hijack, the ego is going to step forward to protect us. So that's what the ego thinks it's doing. It's just reptilian and it's not as smart as our conscious mind. So, so much about spiritual development is about being able to tell, hey, I'm in an adrenaline hijack and that's normal because I'm a pretty ape. That's <laughs> that's how this works. I'm not going to shame myself. Then I'm going to work to center and ground and move out of this adrenaline hijack because I am in fact not running from bears. That's great. That was a very good synopsis of spiritual work. Is that all we got to do, Meg, and then we're done? Or Honestly, it <laughs> sounds really bizarre, but if that is the only thing people focused on, they would be good to go. <laughs> That's awesome. Okay, so we have our victim roles that we play, and then we also have stories about ourselves. How are they related to roles, and why, why do we want to ditch stories? When are they useful, and when are they not? Right. So... It's it's interesting because the brigade, my guides, so to speak, right? The non-physical entities who who assist me in the so wait, chaos. We, just gotta, <laughs> we gotta pause on that. So spoiler alert, Meg's getting all this information from the dead. Is that right, Meg? Well, right. the Cartman drama triangle, that's <laughs> old news, but they're the ones who they brought it into kind of a fuller picture. We'll touch on that later. So just for now, everybody just park the fact (laughs) that this is coming from spirit guides. Okay, so go ahead, Meg, tell us about our stories and our roles. Right. So we have external stories, which are stories that actually happened. They are true stories. And then internal stories, which are often a byproduct of the external stories, Hmm. which are essentially definitive black and white beliefs that are often negative to us or limiting based off of a singular experience, right? So for instance, if somebody has the external story is something that actually happened to them, let's say they're walking down the block when they're a little kid and a bully comes along and beats them up and leaves them there. And then another, you know, kid from the block runs over and says, Hey, don't be mean to them. And then they pick them up and make them feel better. Mm. There we go. We have a Trinity that's formed. And now that person who got pushed onto the ground, they might, you know, have that internal story of I'm going to get picked on and I need to be rescued. Right. And then we have this internal story of the world is against me. I'm not safe in the world. So an external story would be something that's just a fact, like my parents got divorced. And mm-hmm. then the internal story you create about that, therefore, people aren't reliable, marriages don't work, blah, blah, blah. Like that's all the stories, right? Or, you know, even worse, it was my fault. Uh-huh. Okay. Okay. So then what, if somebody wanted to discover what stories they might've made up, because most people are blind to this, right? It's just their absolute a hundred percent reality. So if oh, yeah. I wanted to maybe excavate some of the stories that I tell about myself and about the world that are maybe not serving me, what what's the plan there, Meg? What do I do? 
You know, the easiest indicator, which I am all for the easiest route to everything, I just efficiency is beautiful, right? Is when you're not feeling good is an indicator that you have a negative or limiting story going. And so if you can challenge yourself to in those moments where you're not feeling good, where you're feeling crappy, mm-hmm. <laughs> instead of saying, oh, I'm feeling crappy, I'm feeling crappy, I'm feeling crappy to, oh my gosh, I feel like shit. What a beautiful opportunity to figure out what stories I have going, right? Mm-hmm. And it might be like, I can't get out of this, or I can't get ahead, or nobody loves me, or whatever it might be. But if you feel like shit, that's a really great indicator. (laughs) That there's something juicy to work on. Oh, yeah, exactly. And if you can get excited about that, like, ooh, like solving a puzzle, right? I love this. Well, okay, I'm going to take advantage of you being here to get some coaching and everyone can listen to you kick my ass a little bit. Okay, so I've been feeling like, oh my, and and so I go into my victim thing. I'm like, oh my God, I've got so much work to do. Oh my God, poor me. I'm never going to get it done. I'm so stressed. Why did I do this to myself again? So I'm noticing, yeah, I'm feeling like shit. And those are all the stories. And I can hear them. So would the next step to be like, wait, is that true? Do you really have to do all that stuff? Is it really that hard to do all that stuff? Is Am I on the right track here? So I always like to say the first step is identifying, I feel like shit. (laughs) You can (laughs) say that in your mind, however you want to say it, right? To anybody who's listening, I feel like garbage. Something is happening. So what first thing to do is to take action to pull yourself out of that place of feeling like garbage. To just say, I'm going to stop everything. I'm going to stop my thoughts. I'm going to stop working. I'm going to sit down somewhere. I'm going to breathe. I'm going to visualize something pleasant whatever it takes to get yourself to a calmer place and then ask yourself, what was I just thinking? And what was actually factually true? Mm. Right. Because you can't change something that's make believe. You just got to let the make believe go. Right. Okay. And then, okay. Factual stuff. I do have a lot of work to do. That is factual. Do I have to do all of it? Okay. Or do I get to do all of it? Oh, good one. Thank you. And then also be nice to yourself. It's okay that you feel overwhelmed, right? And a lot Mm -hmm. of times we're shaming ourselves for feeling the way we feel about something. Oh, totally. Totally. I do that about the work stress because then I, I do. I'm like, oh my gosh, I can't believe I'm stressed. And people have much bigger stresses than I do. And I also hear my clients do that a lot with body shame. Because they know, oh no, I'm supposed to love myself right now. Oh, I'm so mad at myself for not loving myself. (laughs) You know what I mean? It's like this meta shame. Yeah. Oh, meta shame. Oh my gosh. (laughs) That needs to be a book. (laughs) Totally. So when we were working together, I remember there was a culture in our course about triggers. And it's like this, when you're like, when you feel like shit, get excited. And we were kind of like that about triggers. You would say that if someone (laughs) starts to feel triggered, we'd say, you're welcome, because it's a great opportunity to go and explore what that's about. And I think that we have this culture where triggers are perceived as very bad. You know, in my world, people will get, oh, I got, I just got triggered to eat or I got triggered by a post that was really fat shamey and it made me feel awful. Like, so these are examples that would happen a lot in my world. But can you talk a little bit about how we can deal with our triggers? Right. Absolutely. So, and I, it's worth mentioning 
that not wanting to trigger people and triggers being viewed as negative is definitely more heavily weighted on the kind of female side of things, right? Because we're taught, we're kind of programmed from a very young age. Oh no, you don't trigger anybody. You're a sweet little Disney princess that makes everybody happy, right? Um, Whereas men, you know, and boys, they're generally not raised in that same way. They're allowed to get in fights and be aggressive and trigger each other. And it's kind of like, oh, boys being boys, right? Mm-hmm. So worth mentioning, just sort of as an umbrella to all of this. And so uh, one of the things to remember is when you are triggered, you are most likely in a in a victim role immediately. Immediately. Ooh. It's, it, it, it all happens so fast, you know, trigger stories, rolls, boom, millisecond, you're there. Mm. Adrenaline. (laughs) (laughs) So if you're looking at like a fat shaming post, right. And you're, let's say a villain, you're immediately like this fucker, right? (laughs) Totally. I'm going to call this this person out. The world, right. And victim, you're immediately going to go, Oh, poor me. They're attacking me in my body. Mm-hmm. And if you're a hero, you're probably in those comment sections like, hey, be nice, everybody. <laughs> Everybody's different. <laughs> right. And one of the reasons is because we feel personally attacked. And especially with body stuff, that's going to up the ante. Your ego is going to be like this body is is in danger, which is mm. really going to exasperate things. But even on a mental level, we identify with our body and our beliefs and our thoughts. And so the reason why posts like these trigger so many of us is because we see it as a threat to our identity itself. And which is why detachment is such a big part about spiritual development. Because if you can detach, right, from, you know, you in general or anything that's attached to you, like your worth is attached to this, that, and the other, you can see anything on social media and be like, Wow. Well, that was a jerky post. And then you can keep moving. And and feel nothing about it. And just feel nothing. like shrug. You wouldn't feel or like, I got to call them out. I got to whatever. You just be right. like, oh, that's interesting. That person feels like they get to post that. Right. And just maybe even a giggle. Sometimes mean posts are, you're like, oh, <laughs> oh, geez. And also that... <laughs> It will change the algorithm of what you see. Let's say just social media. Now, are you talking Um, specifically about social media algorithms? Are you talking about like on a spiritual way, you will attract something different? Both, right? (laughs) And so one of the coolest parts about the internet that that we miss, and this is one of my favorite things to raise awareness around, right? Is the algorithm of social media is identical to the algorithm of the universe, right? So if you're on social media and you're getting stuck on these posts that make you feel like hot garbage, you're commenting on them. Even if it's a mean comment, doesn't matter. The algorithm doesn't care. Mm. Even if you put the little angry face react button, algorithm doesn't care. Right, because you're engaging. Says they're paying attention to this. They want more. So if you think about that with regards to the universe, if all you're paying attention to, right, is villains or heroes or victims or whatever it might be, and you're giving all your attention to that, that's what you're going to get more of. Mm-hmm. So even in sucking it up, and social media is such a beautiful 
arena to dissolve the ego, right? To get into alignment with it because it's hella triggering because people are mean. We can see that. That's real. We don't want to bypass that reality. But if you can kind of practice like just going to scroll my personal identity and goodness and worth has nothing to do with that post or that person. So I'm going to scroll. I'm going to like this cute animal video because that's awesome. You'll notice that your algorithm starts to change, right? Mm. And it will change in your personal life as well. Right. And so if you go around the world and, you know, think triggers are coming at us all the time and we just Mm -hmm. scroll past in like in our real world, we kind of stroll past and we Mm. instead go and pet the cute animals and enjoy the people who are funny, then that will become more of our world. Is that what you're saying? Bingo. Okay. So, okay. But then the distinction there that I wanted to kind of press you on is... So if we are triggered, what I heard you just say, and you correct me if I'm wrong, is we kind of ignore that trigger. But you're saying, no, don't ignore the trigger. That's bypassing. Right. And so I would say like fear's favorite thing is to be ignored or fought. Because feeding fights it and ignoring fights it. And bypassing your triggers is, I mean, the best metaphor I can come up with is essentially ignoring a bleeding wound. It's only a matter of time before that's going to get infected and fester and permeate throughout the entire body. So essentially, the more you bypass your triggers, right, and ignore that they are happening, the more it's going to infect and rot and spread through your entire life and then attract, usually in mass, in a come to Jesus dark night of the soul moment, all of that barreling towards you. That's usually how awakenings happen. Is that we bypass shit for so long that eventually it just all arrives on our doorstep all at once. So take me back to I'm scrolling and there's a fat shamey post and I immediately have this like, oh, um, uncomfortable. I'm triggered right away. So then do I scroll on by and be like, la, 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 let's go look at cute animals. Or do I go, oh, that's an interesting emotion. Let's deal with that festering wound. Right. So. It would be, you know, that identification, like, oh, that made me feel like garbage, right? And then going one step below, like, what emotion am I actually feeling right now? Like, okay. what what story do I have going? Because it's going to be unique for everybody because maybe it's sadness, right? Maybe it's, you know, shame connected to, you know, anger or this, that, and the other. But the story is going to be the most important part, right? And a lot of the times with body image, you know, the story, we get triggered by these things and a story starts running in our head is if I don't look different than I look right now, I'm never going to be able to dot, dot, dot. I'm not going to be able to be successful. I'm not going to be able to find a romantic partner. I'm, you know, people aren't going to like me to isolate that story and to say, oh, I see you there. Emotion and story. And if it's chronic, I'd say track it back to where it came from in your youth, because it's not that person that you just saw on social media. Mm. That's a story that's been there for a while. And so if it's chronic, track it back to your past and see where that root system is, right? Mm -hmm. And then reinform the ego, which is the same thing as your inner child and your subconscious mind. Please be nice to your ego. It's a little kid, right? (laughs) And to say, hey, I know that you have this story because of this. But here's what's true. 
And then you just tell the ego what is actually true. And that's alignment is getting the ego to have the same conscious awareness as our higher consciousness. Hey, dude, if you are enjoying this episode and you have a friend that you think might also benefit from this information, please share it with them. That helps my podcast so much and it's going to help your friend. Share the love. Thanks so much. That's so interesting. You said the ego is like a little kid because I've always heard spiritual things are like destroy the ego. You know, you will never reach enlightenment without destroying the ego. Right. And you're yeah. saying, no, that's your little child self. Right. Well, and that's, it's on, <laughs> what's great about those statements is that it's a very good example of ego because the ego wants to fight. The ego wants to defeat. The ego wants to compete and destroy. Mm-hmm. Right. But the spirit doesn't. The spirit's Mm -hmm. like, why would we destroy something that we can't? It's a byproduct of our body. And our body is a huge part of our purpose in this life. We're supposed to have it. We come here to experience the ego, to move into alignment with it. So we can have the same sort of peace, clarity that we have on the other side, but on this side, with the ability to physically sense things, because that's pretty neat. Like hugging, eating, fucking. I mean, like having a body is cool, right? But we get so distracted (laughs) by all these icky emotions. But if we can line up with the ego, then we get to have this amazing experience where we're like, yep, all one, totally compassionate, also cake. Life is beautiful. (laughs) I love that. I love that. That is a different view of enlightenment that I've ever heard. And I really like it. It involves more cake than I was expecting. Hey, my friend, could you do me a quick favor? Could you subscribe and leave a review for this podcast? It's a small thing. You could do it in line while waiting at the coffee shop. But listen, that support makes all the difference for new podcasts like this one. It would absolutely make my day to see your review. Thanks, dude. Oh, and back to the podcast. So Meg, are you immune to this? Before I hit record, Meg and I were chatting because I was like, Meg, oh my gosh, you just went crazy viral on TikTok. And she said there was two posts that went viral. One was how to know if you were a healer, natural healer. And one was how do you know if you're hearing spirits? Is that right, Meg? Did I get those right? Right, exactly. And then you said since then, you have woken up to (laughs) a whole bunch of medieval style recrimination of how much you're going to hell. So do you not get triggered by that at all? Are you just like giggle, giggle? It's all good? No. Yeah. And I think it was helpful. It's interesting saying this now. It was helpful that I was raised in the church. I was raised in Bible school and I was always Hmm. a very curious kid. And that religion didn't make a lot of sense to me. And so I had been Hmm. used to that opposition since kindergarten. And so I finally just said, well, this is what it is. And I see that. And Although many people will see, okay, well, that's just an asshole, which might be true also. But what I see is fear. That is an animal backed into a corner, terrified, which is why the church and so many other institutions and you know religions have the type of power and control over people is fear. And so I see that. And honestly, I do have a bit of a chuckle because sometimes those comments are in all caps and they're just too much. (laughs) But realistically, I just have compassion for it because 
if this person is that afraid to turn the all caps on (laughs) and write me a paragraph about how they rebuke me in the name of Jesus and I'm a demon and all this jazz, imagine them at home just like shaking with their phone. This is Mm -hmm. the scared animal backed into a corner. And does do you not get scared when you feel that energy coming towards you so strongly? And when you're out here saying things like, yeah, you know, this dead person told me this and this is what's what spiritually. I mean, I think I'd be really fucking scared to put all that stuff out there. You know, it was at first. It really was. I always say the the ultimate light worker curse is the fear of being burnt at the stake. So at at first it's I think what got me when I first started moving into like part-time being Reverend Meg so to speak was I would get this backlash from time to time for the most part it's all positive. Like right I've got like 98% like rock on and then 2% I rebuke you. Yeah. But in those moments, what I realized triggered me the most about that was, oh my gosh, I swear I'm a good person. <laughs> I Do you need help? I will help you, mm. right? Like I used to rescue, I still do, kind of feral animals. And you know, you're trying to help them and they're like, <laughs> and you're like, I swear I'm a nice lady. <laughs> I'm just trying to help you. Yeah. And so and once I set that down and said, okay, that's where they are and that's fine. It's interesting. And I attracted less and less and less of that. And like, it's a miracle, in my opinion, even if you think like Facebook, like I gained 200,000 followers, like overnight, practically. Yeah. And there's just comments on comments. And to be in a in a place where like literally 98% of them are positive. I think a lot of that is because I stopped paying attention to the people who are in opposition to me. Yeah. And you know what, actually, as you're talking, I'm realizing First of all, I want to speak to any listeners who are thinking of putting something out there, but they're kind of afraid. And then they're hearing about what happened to Meg. And they're like, ah, I, I will say from my experience, every time I have been a bit afraid to put something kind of out there, it is 98% positive. Always, 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 always. So please do not be afraid of that. And I also realized that I, Meg, I did you a bit of a disservice by bringing up that negativity um, versus the fact that you are killing it on social media and so many people are reacting so positively. Yeah. Oh, no, it's a good thing to bring up because, you know, I always tell people assholes live in every demographic. So no matter, you know, what you're posting about, whether or not it's for your business as a life coach or as a spiritual coach or as a health and fitness coach or, you know, a career coach, whatever it is, there's always going to be someone who's like, right. And it's important to talk about that because the way our bodies, right? Are, are programmed that has the potential of having a greater impact on you than the 98% of like, yes, thumbs up. Mm-hmm. And so it's important to talk about those and like how to kind of get over the hump. Yeah. Which, by the way, my favorite um, response to really nasty comments, which some of them I delete if they're being mean to other people in the thread, but the really big ones, my favorite response is this, okay, with the okay emoji. <laughs> just okay okay you can okay. feel like that i'm a-okay with that and almost everyone stops right then mm-hmm. because mm-hmm. they don't know what to do with that okay mm-hmm. it's yeah. funny because um when you said there's assholes in every area is that what you said every every demographic every demographic there's assholes 
A, I love that. And I think you're absolutely true. No matter what you're putting out there, there's people who are going to have strong feelings about like the dumbest shit. But um, oh, yeah. also, I'm, I'm sure there's people listening who are like, wait, spiritual can't people, people can't say that there's assholes. Um, so it reminds me of when we were talking about having judgment versus discernment. So there's mm-hmm. being in judgment of people like you're, you're a total jerk, you deserve to, be, versus discernment of, looks like you and I aren't connecting. I'm going to right. make a choice to have some boundaries and take some distance. Right? right. Can you tell us a little bit about the, the difference between judgment and discernment? Absolutely. And like I always tell people, remember, these things have, like, are definable, right? I mean, asshole. That might be like an urban dictionary. A definition, but it's, it's definable, right? A jerk that has a definition, a bigot that has a definition, right? It's not necessarily as an insult as much as it is a definable word, right? right? And it's okay to identify like, well, that person has got some bigotry or some prejudice. Mm. And I think we, we take steps away from identifying that because we like to hide and bypass from negative things, or we could just neutrally assign a definition to this, mm-hmm. which is discernment, mm-hmm. right? Like someone coming at me, <laughs> I rebuke you in the name of Jesus. Like, okay, there is somebody who is most likely afraid and bigoted towards non-Christians. Right. That's neutral. It's yeah. not negative. And it's okay to identify that and say, we probably can't be friends on Facebook. And right. that's okay. And that's okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Okay, great. So all of this is coming from spirits. Like how tell us about how that happened when you started hearing spirits. And if you were brought up in the church, did you think it was Jesus? Like what what happened there? And how did you come out? This podcast is made possible by Fit Feels Good, my online fitness and nutrition company. Here's what we do. I have so many incredible benefits from the MFA program. It literally changed my life. I have the book, Healthy AF. I'm absolutely in love with my life now. I find that the healthy habits that I built are amazing to go back to. The benefits that you're going to see as a woman in your 40s plus are things you could have never imagined. The key which I know Una talks about over and over again, is loving your body now, not what you're envisioning it to be. You know, it was just when I was younger and a lot of people experience spiritual entities this way. So this one might catch some attention with people is a lot of times we will witness spiritual entities as like mirages, like heat off pavement, or even shadow figures, which have gotten a really bad rap, like shadow people, by the way, that's just the literally the number one way we shadow people. It's just how your brain is perceiving non-physical energy, which it really doesn't know what to do with at first, to be perfectly honest. The brain's like this, I guess. (laughs) (laughs) And so when I was little, yeah, they were around a lot. And there was a lot of telepathic communication. I guess that's the, it's really claircognizance. And they would let me know that certain things were going to happen before they happened. And that was nice. And yeah, at one point in time, I had this really freaky encounter with what I now know to be my paternal grandfather and my, my protector, but it spooked me. And I just went, no. And I had already told like my grandparents about it. And my grandpa was the one who said, you know, 
that's that's okay. That's normal. But, you know, they're not supposed to be here, so you shouldn't talk to them. Oh. And ironically, when he was starting to, you know, when he started his journey towards crossing over when he was in his 90s, that's when I actually discovered like this huge family secret. My grandfather has seen spirits his entire life. Is it genetic? Is there a genetic gift to being able to interact with the spiritual realms? Absolutely. So anyone can do it. It's almost anybody. It's like basketball. Anybody can play. Not everyone's going to be Michael Jordan. (laughs) And a lot of that has to do with genetics, right? Mm. And so there actually are genetic components to making someone better able to communicate with spirit side because they're more sensitive to energy. Mm -hmm. But there's also Uh skills that you can learn just like basketball drills. Like anyone can get pretty good at it. If they try anybody, absolutely anybody. And so when mine came back, (laughs) it was Paul at first, who is what my church calls a joy guide. He projects as a seven-year-old boy. But I start seeing this <laughs> as I was like, as I told my best friend at the time, I keep seeing this dead kid out of the corner of my eye. That and it's not okay. Right. And I was a child development psych major. So I'm like, I've got a lot of things happening neurologically. Obviously, this is, you know, if de facto. And then it just didn't, then it didn't stop. And then finally, I finally gave into this very real feeling I had the entire time, which is this is real and it's not going away. But of course, our logical brain is like, you need antipsychotics, <laughs> right? Yeah. <laughs> and so at some point, I finally I said, you know what? I'm not sure what you are, but I know that you are there and I know that you are real. And I swear to God, you show me anything creepy, I'm going to freak out. Do not do it. Here's, here's what you can do. You can show me cute things like animals. I like those. And I literally was shouting this into the air at one point. I'm like, oh my God, I'm that person right now. And in this incredible feat of, I think, my guides and spirit in general, uh, as an offering of good faith, I saw a, a string of very bizarre animals in real life over Mm. the course of a week, starting with a wild ferret in a parking garage and then a seal and lifeguards literally bring a seal into my place of business, a baby seal, (laughs) a, a couple cockatoos, a sugar glider. These are not normal animals at all. An iguana, like all over the course of like a week. And so I said, all right, well, that was fancy. (laughs) And then I found essentially my me who kind of helped me through the rest of it. And then I found my church, went to school there. And yeah, and now I'm Reverend Meg. (laughs) And your church helps people with spiritual development in communication with guides. Is that right? Okay. And you help people. You do one-on-one sessions with them. and. You say that you're a psychic, an intuitive, and a medium. Can you explain the difference between those things? Awesome. So I always like to say that like intuitive is kind of this beautiful schmush of psychic and medium together in a way that is in flow with everyday life. Hmm. Psychic skills are essentially, I like to say, mom power times 
like a hundred, right? So to be psychic, what's happening in a psychic uh, moment is essentially you're translating vibrations, non-physical, non-visible vibrations. And so that's like, if like a psychic walks into a room, they can pick up on the vibrations that are, you know, stuck in the walls, largely metal, because that's what holds vibration. And they can get a whole image of what happened in that house in the past, Mm. just by uh, reading that energy. So mediumship is also a translation of vibrations of, of spiritual energy, non-visible, non-physical energy. It's just the intentional communication with non-physical entities. Okay. All so, mediums are psychic, not all psychics are medium. I got it. Okay. And you mentioned earlier clairvoyance. There's clairvoyance, clairsentience, I think you said as well. Mm-hmm. So there's clairvoyance, which is clear seeing, uh, clear audience, clear hearing, clairsentience, clear feeling, claircognizant, which is clear knowing. And clairsentience and claircognizance, but there's also clairspellience and really? tastiness too. Really? Uh, that's like when if somebody like walks into their house and they they all of a sudden smell like cigar smoke after their grandpa died who used to smoke cigars like across the country that person psychically feels their grandpa's vibration and their brain recognizes it as as grandpa hmm. and then all of a sudden they're psychically flooded with the smell of cigar smoke. Hmm. I like that example. When I picture a traditional idea of a psychic, it's like someone who tells you your future, like whether you're going to marry a tall, dark and handsome stranger or whatever. So how does mm-hmm. um, psychic predictions work with the idea that we also have free will, like fate versus free will? What, what, what do you have to say on that? It's just a minor topic. Awesome. So- so fate is a fallacy. It is so important. We don't necessarily love that statement as a collective because uncertainty is our kryptonite. Um, but if we embrace it, because uncertainty is freedom, if anything was certain, we would have no freedom. And so when it comes to predictions in the future, oh gosh, I forgot which Avengers movie it is. Maybe because all the guys that are in it are so handsome, I can't remember what's what. <laughs> But there's this one where Dr. Strange is saying, I've seen however million ways that this could go. And they're like, how many of those ways do we win? And he's like, one. (laughs) So for anything that's happening in any situation with any person, there are a million ways that their future could go. And so when we're working with predictions, what we're doing is we're tapping into the energy of the present and sensing the trajectory of it in this present moment right now. So that could shift and change, you know, all over the place, right? Because that person could forget their keys the next day, run back in the house and then leave and then get in a car accident. And then that possible future is now shifted again. Hmm. And it's an effortless, constant shifting that will always work in your favor if you choose to believe it will. That's the most important thing is that when we're given possible future events by spirit or when we sense them, the best thing for you to think is the future is not set in stone. If I want that, I can walk towards it. I can make it happen. If I don't want it, I can do the opposite. (laughs) Oh my gosh, I'm going to ask you more about that. And I also just want to offer to listeners, once Meg explained this to me, as in, it's like if someone was pulling back an elastic band 
and aiming it at something that's and then the psychic will say, well, this is what it's aimed at right now. This is where the energy is aimed to release towards this particular destination. But you can shift exactly where that elastic band is aimed at at any time. At any time. So what you just said there is anything is possible if you believe it is. Yeah. What about the people listening to that? And they're like, I just don't like when, you know, when I tell my clients, you know, you have to love the body that you're in right now. Otherwise, you really probably won't get the results that you're looking for. If you are, you know, looking at the mirror and thinking, how did I allow this to happen? Oh, well, I guess, you know, menopause is taking its toll. And I get, you know, and just and look at my, I think my arms are getting chubby. Or like, if you have all those negative thoughts, you're just going to reinforce it and it's going to happen more. Whether you want to believe that in a woo-woo way or if you want to believe that in a really practical way in that you will put yourself in a state that will probably make you self-comfort in the ways that aren't serving you. So, but then the response I get back from that is people are like, yeah, but I just, I can't just like change my thoughts. Like it's kind of what I believe. So for those who heard you say that and they're like, yeah, I'd love to believe that I can make a million dollars tomorrow, but (laughs) just can't. What would you say to people who are really having trouble shifting their beliefs towards the positive? I think a lot of it is practice, right? It's a practice, like doing anything, learning how to tie your shoes or learning how to knit or how to crochet. So if we can make the mindset shift that this is a practice, this is something I can learn how to do, that's going to make a huge, huge difference. So the first thing is to recognize that it's a practice. Mm. It's something you learn how to do. It's not a light switch. Got it. That'd be fucking amazing though. And secondly, I think a lot of it has to do with you giving yourself permission because we are raised in the school system by our parents. I mean, the kids now we hang on a little easier and I'm glad that we are raised in a way that is critical. As long as you are critical of yourself and you are driving yourself, like you're going to succeed. Right. Mm -hmm. And we are taught by default to shame ourselves, to criticize ourselves, to set bars for ourselves that we never reach. Mm right? Just even the whole structure of society. So to even just say, I am allowed to think positive thoughts about me and my body, even though there might be assholes out there who have something mean to say, Mm -hmm. that's their business. My business is loving myself right now. Yeah, I love it. And is this what you help people with? You know, like my my partner's son. So like my little step step kiddo is like, what do you do? I said, I teach people how to be happier. And he says, that makes sense. (laughs) Because he's the cutest little human on the planet. You know, that's the ultimate goal, right? Is joy, is happiness, fulfillment, satisfaction, enjoying this awesome playground, right? And so that's kind of what I strive to do is get people connected, right? To spirit. My dad jokes and says, so you're just going to teach everyone how to do what you do and put yourself out of business. And I said, yes, sir. That's the goal. (laughs) Absolutely. So we do have that connection because the more we build up that connection with the non-physical world, whatever you choose to believe is over there, the more you're connected to home and truth and power, right? And so that connection is absolutely vital, but there's so many fears on the way to forging that connection, right? So in a nutshell, everything I do 
for me is essentially isolating and targeting fear, shame, and resistance. Because that is the unholy trinity Mm. of everything that holds us back. That's what's getting in the way. And I just, before I want to talk to you about that, but before I do, when you say, you know, you help people connect to spirit, could that also be like Mm -hmm. to their wiser self to like, for those who are like freaked out by the idea of spirit, I mean, you can work with that too, right? Oh, yeah. So like I always say, like intuition in a way is just spirit communication between your mind and your own spirit. Right. And like also something to remember in like fear of spiritual entities. Remember, you literally have one living in you. <laughs> right. But it's also it's spooky at first. So I get it. But yeah, the the inner self is the most important place for your attention to be no matter what. So tell us about that. What did you say? Fear, shame and resistance. Okay. So let's say you're talking to someone and we'll we'll use that example, someone who is really unhappy with their body right now and they just do not see a way out of it. They will tell you that they've tried everything. They've got a story around it about how their mother was bit like whatever, all that. So, so what would you do to help them get out of fear, shame and resistance? So the first thing in that scenario, what I would do is respond with a question, which is, do you want to feel this way? Are these thoughts that you want to think? Is this how you want to feel? Helpless, hopeless, at the mercy of? Is this how you want to feel? No. Yeah, they're like, (laughs) hell no on that. Right. Okay, cool. Are you willing to do what it takes to not? Mm Mm-hmm. Because if you're not willing, we're wasting time. Yeah, they're like, oh, I'll try anything. Like, give me the diet. Give me the whatever. Right. And so I think that's a lot of it is is understanding, do I, do I want to feel like this? No. <laughs> but we don't give ourselves that option. And I think just hearing the option a lot of the time is, oh, oh, I have another option. Mm. But they don't think they do. They think that in this body, this is the only way that a reasonable person could feel, for example. Oh, yeah. And a lot of that is, I mean, just being stuck in the head. And like my my little joy guide, Paul says, why are you in your head so much? It's not safe in there. <laughs> we get stuck in there and we get solid. And a lot of that is because the ego will do anything up to and including complete total self-sabotage to prove itself right. And so for whatever reason, your ego believes that it is safer for you to stay in that place of negativity. Mm -hmm. And that means your inner child thinks it is safer for you to be in this place. And so that's kind of where the personal journey comes in. Why does your particular inner child feel that you are going to be safer, miserable? So then you would you would work with them on that and then also help with those feelings of shame, fear and resistance. I like to say like resistance is kind of the the third wheel because resistance really doesn't exist in the absence of fear or shame. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like fear and shame come together and they hump and they make a little resistance baby. So if we can get rid of fear and shame, there's no there's no resistance baby making. Thank you for that that graphic imagery. I like it. <laughs> so let's say someone's like, oh, I really want to make a million dollars next week. And yet I have some okay. resistance because I'm not really sure if that's possible. 
So how would you help them work on that? Like, I, first of all, do you believe that that is possible for anyone? Yeah. What you would have to do in this scenario is in my humble opinion, a determine why you want to make a million dollars next week, Mm -hmm. because you don't want the million dollars. You want the reason why. Yeah. Right. So to, to focus on, on that. And the key is to allow that to be your primary focus, but enjoy. And then pretty much anything is possible. Like, you know, Andrew, another one of my guides, one of his favorite things to say to people who want to make a lot of money or start a business is if teenagers can make tens of thousands of dollars a month eating weird shit on YouTube, you can do anything. That is a very good point. absolutely possible. And in all that, right, that this is the primary focus and joy, determine why we want that million dollars and make it okay. Even it's like, I just want to do it for the, for the damn fun of Mm. it. Great. Fun is a great reason, right? And then to essentially detach because energy takes the path of least resistance to wherever it's headed. Mm -hmm. And it's always the best, it's always the best path. But we start saying, well, I could do this. I could do that. I could do this. But if we just check in intuitively, follow that joy, follow the energy, it'll take us there. And that's it. We don't have to strategize. We don't have to come up with a business plan. Nothing like that. Mm -mm. I've never done it once. Uh, Actually, no, that's a lie. Because I did used to be a sales executive and, and manager in restaurants and this, that, and the other. So I had to. Um, but even then I didn't really take them very seriously. Um, but I don't strategize. I don't do anything. I just, I just move. I just go every once in a while. I make a little plan, but that's it. Well, okay. Here's one question. And I, I hope you don't take this as a poke, but cause I'm genuinely curious. What, a, oh, <laughs> when I think of my spiritual friends who will tell me stuff like this, a lot of them are fucking broke. So I'm like, where's your millions then? I just don't get it. <laughs> Right. And, you know, it could just be that they're so uh, in this way, we almost have to talk about flow, what is flow and what's not flow. Mm -hmm. Right. A lot of people will say flow is doing nothing. Yeah. Right. Whereas flow is an action word, everybody. Right. Flow is conscious action without resistance. That's what flow is. And people have a tendency, I'm in a flow state. They they like visualize someone sitting in a chase being fed grapes or oh, yeah. so a lot of time people aren't taking actual conscious action in those particular situations. They're waiting for the universe to bring things to their doorstep or the universe to drive them to their destination. The universe is not Uber. It is not your bitch, right? You are co-creating, right? And in order to be in flow, therefore flow to what it is you desire, you have to be taking conscious action without resistance. Love it. And so that might be why, right? And also there's a lot of, especially if they're spiritual, there's a lot of fear there. Like I said, we can almost drag that back to the light worker's curse. Mm. If you're afraid of being extinguished or hurt or attacked, your ego is going to do everything in its power to keep you safe, to prevent that, right? Mm-hmm. To prevent that. And that's why it's so important to, especially as a spiritual person, to be grounded in physical reality, because that's your purpose right now, is 
this fucking circus. <laughs> is that is there a universal purpose there, like to find joy, or is there an individual purpose that each of our little spiritual selves came to incarnate in these bodies to figure out? It's both, actually. You're right. So the universal purpose for every living thing, whether or not it is a bacterium or a human being or a whale, is the giving and receiving of love. That is the universal life purpose. And love is an energetic force. It's not an emotion. So giving and receiving of love. We're always learning that because our brains mess it up and we we mess it up. So we have to learn over and over and over again. And then we'll all have our own personal list of lessons we're learning and experiences that we want to have. Mm -hmm. And how do we find that out? By looking at what's triggering us and being like, oh, there's there's a hint. Right. A really good way of identifying it is looking at your life and seeing the theme of not only what comes up, but your reaction to it. Mm. Because someone with, let's say, the life lesson of anger, that could actually be a life lesson. Somebody learning as much as they can about anger. Maybe in their next life, they want to come back as a psychiatrist that specializes in anger, Mm -hmm. right? They can encounter the same exact situation as someone whose life lesson is, let's say, vulnerability. Mm -hmm. And how they respond to that situation is going to be locked into those primary life lessons, right? So this person might get angry at this situation, whereas this person might feel like they have to become invulnerable in that situation. So check out the themes of your life, the reoccurring like events that seem to be cycling through and your reactions to it, responses to it, your feelings about it, and be able to say, geez, I think I'm learning communication here. Hmm. Or I think I'm learning vulnerability or compassion. Like if your compassion is a big one, if you feel like the universe is just pushing these scenarios towards you where it's hard to have compassion for people, compassion is probably one of your life lessons. Mm, Have fun. Meg, I know that people are going to listen to this and they'll probably want some one-on-one time with you or learn more, follow your viral TikToks. Tell us what's the best place for people to get in touch with you and learn more. Probably through my website. That's also where all my guided meditations and the free boundaries workshop live too. And those those are great tools. Yeah. And I just want to put out a strong recommendation for Meg's meditations. They are so awesome. So awesome. I use them all the time. So thank you for that, Meg. And I will put links to all of that in the show notes. And just before we close off, Meg, do you have any any messages from yourself or from your guides for the listeners who are listening to this? And maybe they're not feeling so great about themselves right now, or maybe they're, you know, working on fitness goals and it's feeling like a little bit of a slog. Um, any messages for them? Well, I just had someone come in so I can grab one from her. But the first thing I want to say before that is even in my own, like kind of struggle with my weight since the pandemic, which I've never had to struggle before. I know like how dare I say that? But I bumped into this moment where I was like, I hate my own guts. Like, I really do. Like, how did I that rapidly gain 30 pounds? Like, I'm almost impressed by myself. I mean, it was impressive. French fries is the answer, by the way. (laughs) But I was talking to Running Eagle, my healing teacher about it. And he says, the first thing you've got to do is love yourself and love the body that you're in. That's the only way you're moving forward. And so when Una says that to you, everybody, uh, also please know that the infinite wisdom of a spirit 
said it as well. <laughs> but let's see what Miss Cassandra has to. Miss Cassandra is my main guide, and she's far more popular than me because she's super cool and she's like my spirit BFF. And so she's giving me this really cool image of like, imagine a sidewalk that's like infinite. And on the sidewalk, on a wall, there's like mirror, 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 mirror. And in standing in front of every mirror is essentially like a woman of every imaginable size and shape. And what's facing them is essentially a bunch of spirits. And the clamoring of communication between the spirits is, look how beautiful everybody is. Like how different everybody looks. Wow, what a lot of variety. And Cassandra is giggling. And she says, on the other side, we pretty much all look the same, you know. Just an orb, a floating egg that is glowing. And so to be able to see people and be people, the unique differences between all shapes and sizes, well, it's fairly extraordinary, entertaining, and wonderful for us. And perhaps it cannot be said as many times as necessary, but we'll say it again anyway. We wish, we wish, we wish that you could love yourselves as much as we love you and see yourself as beautiful as we see you. And we know that you may want to make improvements in your mind, improvements. That's important to mention. It's in your mind. What is an improvement and what is not? That's fine and well. And so it is all a matter of, well, firstly, not shaming yourself for who you are, not shaming yourself for wanting to make improvements and just choosing to, if anything, have fun with it. Because when we are in joy and we are having fun with anything, choosing to have fun, all of a sudden the truth starts to shine through. And the ultimate truth that any of us need to know in any particular life is that not only are we lovable, exactly how we are, when we are, we are infinitely loved beyond our comprehension by things that we cannot see and touch. And not only that, we are loved by other people in our life that much too. But we get so caught up in hating our own self that we block the love coming from other people. So at the end of the day, just try to have fun. And that might iron out all the wrinkles that you're looking at right now. Iron out all the wrinkles. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I loved that. Oh, no. I love that advice. Yeah, that's great advice, whether it's it comes from the beyond or not. And actually, one final thing, Meg, I heard you say once that you're like, you know, if I get proven wrong and that this is all like bullshit and I never have talked to a spirit, you're like, I'm totally cool with that. That's totally fine. Yeah. Detachment. Because it's like, realistically, it's funny. I told my dad about this too. Even if like somehow it is scientifically proven beyond a shadow of a doubt that I am batshit, right? I don't care. <laughs> because the communication with them, I like, I can't even, there aren't words to describe how extraordinarily it improved every single aspect of my life, like cellularly. Yeah. And I've, you know, I've had people say that, like, do you really think that like, that's really coming from the spirit world? And I'm like, well, I, I don't really care. It's good shit. Like, <laughs> I don't care where it's coming from. <laughs> Right, exactly. Like, 
And then like, even if I'm dying and I figure out it's wrong, I'm like, well, I totally improved my entire life because of it. So there There we go. go. So whether you are a woo-woo person or not, I really do hope that you took Cassandra's advice to heart. And it really is all about having fun and loving yourself right now. It's perfect. Meg, you're amazing. Thank you so much for coming on and letting me grill you about all this stuff. You are welcome. Thank you for having me. You are an amazing unicorn. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, dude. Okay, that was a long one. So no extended wrap up for me. But listen, one of my favorite parts was how the algorithm of social media is identical to the algorithm of the universe. That blew my mind. But let me know what you thought of this episode and any little takeaway that you got. DM me on Instagram at Una Duncan and we'll chat next week. Hey, dude, thanks for listening. If you like this episode, make sure you're subscribed so you can get the next one. And by the way, if you rate and review this podcast, it really helps me get found by other people who need some goals, grit, and some woo-woo shit. And be sure to connect and DM me at Una Duncan on Instagram and let me know what you thought of the episode. Chat soon.